so I wanted to say good morning to you ladies. And um, uh, first of all, I was so excited to be up here, and God showed me something like two weeks ago, and this was great, the Tower of Babel. And oh my gosh, he just stopped everything. Like it, nothing was making sense. It was literally like the Tower of Babel. Just confusion, where do I pull from, what am I doing? And I was gone this weekend in Florida for a, a nephew's wedding, and I thought I was going to get four and a half hours on the flight back with Wi-Fi, and I'm going to put it all together. So I got in late Sunday night, no Wi-Fi on the plane. And I'm like, okay, I'm not worried about this, God, but I really don't know what you want me to do. So I said, okay, I'm going to get all day Monday. And so I had Bible study Monday morning, and um, just I love this group of ladies, and I get the freedom to teach. And... It was awesome and everything we were learning. And then I started about 2 o'clock time with the Lord, and he just was nowhere in sight, zero. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And so I thought, okay, okay, I'm just going to eat a pint of Haagen-Dazs mint chip ice cream <laughs> because the Spirit of God shows up when you eat that. And so I did do that, and he did not show up. And then... I was like, oh, God, I really need you. I really need you. I don't know what to do here. And literally, it was 10 o'clock at night, and Kelly's going, hey, do you need help with your PowerPoint? I'm like, I have nothing, Kelly. Like, and I'm not trying not to have anything. I think the Lord is being silent for a reason and making me wait. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to go to bed, and I am going to expect that you're going to give me something in the morning, what I'm supposed to talk about. And at 4.38, he did. He gave me, and so I just want to say this, why I feel a little flustered is God's never done this with me before when I've taught. And secondly, what he's having me teach, I'm just learning now too. So I know I have the authority in Christ Jesus in me to talk about it, but I don't feel confident because I'm learning how to do this. And so um, if something comes out weird, just have a little grace with me because I'm willing to do this, and I think God wants me to. And the, the phrase he gave me this morning at 538 was, and it was, um, credit to him as righteousness. And that's all he gave me. And I said, okay, all right, here we go. So then here we go. We're just going to start with the Tower of Babel. My um, computer completely broke on me, everything. He took everything away. I had to go back to a real Bible. I had everything... <laughs> I mean, everything. I know. I have not done this in so long, and it feels really good, but everything is the Bible. Like, we are going through the Bible in the scriptures he gave me, and that's the Holy Spirit wants to talk that way today. So um, we are going to start in Genesis 11, where we all did today, with the Tower of Babel. And um, let me just get... Oh, yeah, look at these handwritten notes. My computer started. I mean, everything he took away from me, he's just like going, Linda, I got this. I'm doing it. You're not. So I am really, I want to be honest with you, I am just being obedient, and I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. So um, I hope it's good. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I wanted us to look at Genesis 11, and we're just going to read it, and then we'll talk about the scripture. Now, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. 
And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So I'm going to stop right now. And first of all, what these people were doing, which you probably talked about in your group, is God definitely told them to go and disperse themselves. And they probably didn't understand why. It's probably scary to do that. But they came up with a great idea that, no, this gives me security and significance that we're going to stay together. Come, let's all do it together. And we're going to be close to God. We're going to become like. We're going to get his heavenly stuff up there. And we have security in numbers. And we have this name we're going to make for ourselves. People are going to see that we are just great. And I literally sat there and go, are you kidding me, God? They are really dealing with significance and security, and they are finding it in the world, and that's why they're building this building. And you are calling us to just live out this earth because this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. You are calling us out to be, depend on you. And I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I struggle. My biggest struggle is significance. Um, God has done a huge work in me with significance, but I'm still being delivered from it. And I think I told you guys this story a while back, and it was like about eight years ago when I'm teaching Bible study, and I had the women at my home, and Beth Moore's on. Some of you have heard the story, but it was the start of the root of insignificant pulled out and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in me. And so when God calls me, to be obedient to him, the first thing that pops up in, with me is insignificance. But um, what he did is Beth Moore was on, and I was getting ready for Bible study, and um, women were talking, oh, I need a paper, Linda. You know how that is when you're good friends and nobody is prepared except for you, the host. So all of a sudden, Beth Moore goes, hey, I want you to sit down. And she was just talking through video, and I heard it. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, I think she, he's talking to me. So somebody asked for another piece of paper, and then she said, hey, you there in the capri pants, I want you to sit down and listen to this. And I was wearing capri pants. So I sat down, and I'm listening with all ears, and she starts talking about Psalm 139 and how much God loves me. And I have heard that my entire life. I've been growing in my walk with Christ, but at that moment, the Holy Spirit wanted me to really know how much God loved me and have that be my foundation, and he's going to work out of that from now on, rather than just knowing I'm going to really know. And as soon as those words were spoken, how much God loves me and he made me, I literally felt this root being pulled out of my heart, and I started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And then I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit go into the deep places of my body that it's never been, and I just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And I knew right then I was changed. And I knew right then I was never going to forget how much God loves me because that was going to be the foundation of things he's going to be doing further. So I get back with the group. We're sitting there. My head's down. I'm trying to pull myself together. They thought I was just praying. They're really good friends of mine for a long time. We've been together for 13 years. They thought I was just praying. So they're all chattering away like women do. And so I finally get my act together, and I look up at him, and I go, don't you see? I'm the woman wearing the capri pants. And they just, they didn't know what to do. And I just go, oh, my gosh, God loves me. 
And it was one of the most profound markers in my life of working out of confidence in the love of God, which doing, in doing that, I just so love to be obedient to God, but it's out of his love for me. I don't, want to, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the blessing he has for me. I don't want to miss the adventures he has for me. And you guys, I have to take a sip. I'm sticking. Just a sec. Oh, this is another thing. I picked soda water. So if you hear burp, I, I'm just, everything could go wrong that could go wrong today. So, but I think God really had to get me all the way. So anyway, out of that foundation, I knew the Lord was taking me further. And I knew the purpose he called me, and he called me at 19 years of age. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know anything, but I remember the word so profoundly when somebody spoke over me and said, you are going to be a mother to many, not necessarily your own, and you will be a teacher among women. And I have remembered those words, those phrases to this day. And the first, all of that has come true. All of that prophetic has come true. And so when I'm looking, and I have to go back now to the Tower of Babel and realizing that they just wanted their security and their significance, and they didn't want to wait on the promise of God. I understand that. That is really, really hard to do. I mean, incredibly hard to do. And what I wanted to um, take away from that is, when God confused them and dispersed their languages, I see his great love for them for doing that because he knew the rebellion was going quickly. He saw it before the flood, and he knew man's heart was full of depravity and sin and evil, and the only one who's going to be able to redeem this is going to be Jesus Christ's son. He knew knew that. So I know he was trying to slow down the rebellion. So when he dispersed them, it did make them disperse, and they needed to depend on God. And that must have been really scary for them. That was their family. They made friends. I was telling the girls, what if you were 14 and you found the love of your life? And now you're two different languages. You're going to disperse and go with your families. I mean, there'd be a lot of different kinds of pain that you wouldn't think of. But God, in his great mercy and love for us, that's why he did it. Because he knew the only thing that is going to give us significance and security is going to come from obeying God. That is the only thing that will give it to you. He wants us to rid anything of this earth of this world, of your life, rid, he wants to get rid of it, that anything that's giving you significance and security other than him. Because it will fail. It won't work. It will be destroyed. Um, And so what we got to do after the Tower of Babel, um, in Moses' writing, I love how um, Bonnie used words. And um, when Bonnie said, I I just could totally relate with Bonnie last week because I, I also live in chronic pain, and just the point of, can we do this one more day? But to, for Bonnie to give the light of that we're living for eternity and to have that mindset, this is the part that I love, that we get, I get to talk a little bit of glimpse about Abraham because of the Tower of Babel, and then the next person will go into it deeper. But when I look at Abraham in Genesis 12.1, after... Everybody was dispersed, and Moses wrote about Babel, which they thought was going to be called the Babylonians, the gate of God, but it really, in Moses, it's called confusion. And God gets it right every time. Through the descendants, there was, is it Terah, which I hope I pronounced that right, Terah, Terah, which was the father of Abraham. And you would think, I really forgot, I didn't know this, and I forgot, but you would think Abraham was raised in this really strong 
Christian family who, who worshiped Yahweh. And, but we learned that that's not the case. Abraham did not grow up worshiping Yahweh. He was in a culture where they worshiped many gods. He worshiped the moon god. His father pulled them out and they moved to the land of Ur. They didn't make it to the land of Canaan because he couldn't wait for the promise and they just worshiped gods that were there. So this is a man who is now 75 years of, years of age and that's what he had done his whole life. Just, he really did nothing to deserve what God's going to give him. He really deserved all this wrath. I mean, he really didn't even worship Yahweh. And I thought it was so beautiful how, because of God's grace, the voice of God came to Abraham. And it came to Abraham, and he responded in obedience. How he did that, I think it's the grace of God was able for him to hear the voice, and I know it's the grace of God that empowered him to walk out in obedience to Christ. It is nothing he did. It was God's grace through and through, but he did say yes. And so in verse Genesis 12, 1, it says, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. You know what? When I hear that, that's all I want. I want to be known. I want significance. I want to be a blessing. I want a name. But so much of the times, if I don't put my significance in Christ and who he says I am, the world tells me I'm not good enough. The world, and, and it's a reality. The world tells me I'm not really that known. Who am I to speak? The world tells me, you mess up your words, Linda. God can't use you. I mean, these are realities that are truth in my life if you're looking at through a world perspective. But I know that Jesus has called me to a purpose to bring him glory, and he will do it all, whether I can speak, if I'm fluently, I can speak well, if I not, because the Holy Spirit can do anything through me if I'm willing to say yes. And that's what he did to Abraham at 75 years of age. I'm just, I'm not calling you out at all, surely, for your age, but can you imagine, though, if the Lord came to you right now and asked you, I want you to go. When you've lived with your family and friends and everybody, this was a and you've never worshiped Yahweh. It would be God's grace for you to say yes. And I think it's so powerful that we need to know this as women. God's grace will give you the power to say yes. In certain situations, you don't want to say yes. And then he'll give you his grace to empower you to walk it out. You can say yes and we can stand there, but we're going to get, that, that's a different part what we're going to get into. Okay, so we're looking at this. And when he had faith, God credit to him as righteousness. So then God said, that's what he woke me up with. Well, God, how did you credit to him as righteousness? I don't get it. So let's look at Romans 4, 22 through 25. Let me turn the Bibles, the pages now. Um, And he says in here, which I love, let me get to it. Yeah, Romans 4, 22 through 25. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Okay, I'm going to go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is what it did for me. It just showed God's great love. And you might not follow it, and that's okay. But 
Abraham being credited as righteousness, that showed me God's great love to do that so that it could show me that Jesus is coming and when he's nailed to the cross, I'm clothed with his righteousness. And he put it in Abraham so that we had that hope. So the next generation had that hope, Jesus Christ is coming. And I love that he chose to do it that way. I don't know why he did, but I love that he chose to do it that way because I am a sinner. I was born into sin. I didn't worship, I didn't have a family that worshiped God, but the Holy Spirit sought after me. God sought after me out of his love for me. And he's the one who came after me because he loves me just like he did Abraham. And I just had to say yes to him. Yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to what he's done for me on the cross. And you know what? I get a whole new identity. I get a whole new life. And I get a whole new mindset. I am going to be a different person because of Jesus Christ. And Abraham got to experience that. So one thing, guys, I don't want you to be afraid of, and part of it is, is when you say yes in obedience, we think of obedience as we're giving up something that's bad. I don't know why. There's just a negative connotation with obedience. You guys, obedience is good. It's loving. It's blessing. It's adventuresome. We need to start having the mindset of Jesus Christ said obedience versus how the world sees obedience. They hate obedience. They, they don't want to submit. But God, under our when we submit under him and obey him, that opens the tunnels for us to have abundant life, the goodness of life, the good stuff he has for us. That's what it comes from is obedience. And there is life in obedience, guys. I just, we, there's always that negative connotation. And I, I kind of changed the words a little bit, but I heard somebody say, you know, if you were summoned by the queen or the king, an earthly king on this earth, and you were commissioned to do something and you needed to do it, you would look at that as an honor. And this is a really cool thing. I am being commissioned by the king and queen. That's an earthly. Why would we think that our heavenly king, when he commissions us and asks us to obey, that, it that we consider it a sacrifice? It is gonna, it's abundantly honor, honor. It's abundantly good. You guys, we have to have this different mindset. If we're going to think that of an earthly king, how much more is our father going to bless us? And that's what he's trying to say because Jesus Christ did everything on the cross. So as we see Jesus as his righteousness on Moses, on, sorry, excuse me, Abraham. And that was our hope because God knew Jesus was coming to the cross, right? And he's going to nail him on the cross. Okay, so this is now the part that I am going to talk to us as sisters in Christ. Because Jesus has already come, he's already been nailed to the cross, and he has died on the cross. And I'm going to assume the majority of us, I don't want to take it for granted, has accepted Jesus as our personal Savior. They have said yes to Jesus. So we are going to look now at Ephesians 2, 1 through 11, how we are supposed to live. And we can compare it to the Tower of Babel, what they were doing. But now we have this opportunity to live the way, Jesus, the way God was asking them to live, to obey. And we're going to see the difference. But go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 11. And this is the part I'm just going to warn you. We have had great women up here every week. I have been so blessed. And I really appreciate the calmness of the Holy Spirit. 
and his wisdom, and I appreciate the authority in women. But I'm going to tell you there's another side to the Holy Spirit, and I can't help it. It's my package. I get loud. I get passionate. And it's only because that's how he made me. And there is that side to the Holy Spirit. So don't think I'm yelling at you. Or don't, but it is just the way I'm made. I'm not calm, and I'm not peaceful, and I'm, not, I'm just not made that way. I'm loud. And so I just want you to know that that's a great side to the Holy Spirit. He encourages us on. He cheers for us. And I find that to be beautiful. And I thank God for making me that way. And that is a hard statement for me to say, but I'm going to say it. And, but I do, just because I've taken a lot of, you know, people just say stuff. But that's okay. This is the way God made me. And so when I'm talking to you, it is the Holy Spirit who he is out of passion and cheering you on like, let's go, girl. We got this. And so in Ephesians um, Verse 2, and we're going to look at 1 through 11, and this is going to be great, and this is where it comes with the Holy Spirit showed me this morning. So bear with me. Made alive in Christ, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, Uh, end of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to stop right there. I want you to notice something in verse 5. It's a kind of a progression. You know how we like go glory to glory to glory? But I think a lot of us have been made alive in Christ. Our dry bones, we hear the word of God, and we are being made alive in Christ. And I think we are raised up with him, and we can give him the glory. And I think, though, that we struggle a lot with this third thing. And this is, I am a little apprehensive because I'm just learning it. But it says, and he seats us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So, guys, we are not only made alive in Christ, we are not only raised up with him, but we are seated in the heavens with Christ Jesus. So that means we get to have a kingdom perspective of life as we live here. And we have that living inside of us. We have the mind of Christ. We have the authority of Christ in us. That's why we can say, in the name of Jesus, I cast out that evil spirit. In the name of Jesus, spirit of distraction be gone. In the name of Jesus, spirit of pain be gone. I pray over myself every day for that because I know God has the power and authority over that. And you know what? He, that part of sitting in the heavenlies is really a lot to do with obedience. Because it feels a little weird, and it's, it's hard to understand. But when we sit in the heavenlies, we have everything we need that Jesus Christ had here on earth as fully son of man, fully son of God. We have everything we need to live out a life that when people encounter us, they get to see Jesus Christ. And that's what he has given us. And it is by our obedience that we get to see this. And so when we're sitting at the heavenlies, guys, that's hard to comprehend. But we don't have an earthly perspective anymore. We get the kingdom perspective. And what that means is um, 
what the kingdom perspective means is Do you guys know the verse 2 Corinthians 5:17 where it says we're created with the new creation in Christ? Have you guys read the verse before that in verse 16? I'm just going to read it real quick, and this is where it's going to be, because I want us to see this, because it will change your lives. Um, And honestly, I didn't know it existed. God just showed it to me, and that's the truth. And it rocked my world, because I want to do this, and I, I don't think I've done a very good job of this. It says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Okay, what what Paul is saying here is I want you to hear this. They thought Christ was coming to be this king, this earthly king, to give them justice, to stand up rights for them, how the Romans treated them. They thought that's what it was going to be, King Jesus. But now they know better. That's not how it's going to be. Now they know that Jesus now gave them the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is living inside of them and they have the mind of Christ to be a servant king and that's how the love of Christ is going to be spread through us, through the disciples. But it said right here, therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh anymore. Guys, as a community of Christians, as Christian women, we're the hardest on each other. But when we're in sin, when we're doing something that bugs us, you don't think it might be the right way, you know what? Don't look at their flesh. Look at how Christ sees them. Look at how Jesus Christ saw the woman at the well and brought out her value. He brought out her value, not that she was living with a man, was married five times, wasn't married now. He didn't bring that out. He brought out her value that if you will just trust me, we have the gift of reconciliation to restore people back to our original design, how Christ made us. I know this is a lot of hard stuff, guys, and it's like way out there, but it's true. It is the truth of Jesus Christ living inside us. Paul says, we don't look at you anymore in the flesh. We look at you the way Christ looks at you. That's a hard thing. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. I like to vent with a girlfriend. And is she here? No, she's not here. So um, when something really bugs me, I'll vent with her. And, and you guys, I kind of think that that's okay. And let me tell you why. I think God put us here to talk with each other. And I need to vent with her. But what I want to tell you is, I want her, when I'm done venting, then to pray for me to have the love of God to love this person. I want her to restore me back to Jesus Christ and not stay in the flesh. I know we joke around and you need to have a friend to vent to. That, I think God did that. But we need to be sisters in Christ who can hear all the junk, but then restore us back because we have that power to love that person. And if you're saying you don't, you're listening to a lie. You're listening to the enemy. You are. It does not come from God. That is a lie. You have the power to love somebody who you, who you don't love. You do because you have Jesus Christ living inside of you. And when we see the heavenlies, I love looking at people through a kingdom perspective. That's why I love hearing all these different teachers because they're, so they're everything I'm not. And like I can just pinpoint, I can say one person out. I could name them not. But Nancy, do you realize that you hold your own unique glory that God made for us to see that nobody else carries? That's a pretty powerful statement. 
You get to carry this uniqueness of God's glory that's going to touch our lives that I don't carry. And I think because each of us, which we're going to get into, going back to the verses in Ephesians 2, 1 through 11, you guys are going to be so excited about who you really are. Um, and it says, I did the trespasses, we did the made alive, and you're seated at the right hand. Okay, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Okay, I want to say to you, in verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing of Christ. Something that Bonnie, I'm going to uh, curtail, is that the word on? Is that when you, yeah, okay. You guys, we think God uses us now for our friends, our family, but he's also preparing us. He's also changing us, his grace for ages to come. Your grandchildren's children might get to look back and go, Grace did that for her? Grace could change her? Grace changed my grandma when she was this to this? It's not just what we are now. This is an ages to come. So we are giving generations hope in Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. By us walking out who we are in Christ, we're giving generations hope. And um, I just think that's a powerful statement. And when he says that you guys are going to love this, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works already prepared beforehand. Guys, you know what workmanship is? It means masterpiece. Each and every one of you is a masterpiece. Every single one of us, it's rare. And, it, and every time God even interacts in your life, the only he, thing he can do is create a masterpiece. So invite him in. When he wants to interact in your life, don't be afraid of it because all he's creating is his masterpiece in you. Nothing else. Don't believe a lie that God's interacting with you because you're bad and he has to show you the way no, he interacts with you, and his nature is to just keep letting you believe and letting us see the masterpiece he's creating you. He adores you. He loves you. I know we have heard all this, but I really want you guys not only to get it here, I want you to experience it. I want you to ask God to show me how much you love me. He loves you so much that he's willing to die on the cross for you but to use you to go spread eternal life to people, that's, he loves us so much because he knows what he created in us. And you know what? I know that I deal with insignificance, and um, I do, but I think sometimes God has a special name for each of us, and he calls us out. And I think in the heavenlies, there's a name for significance. And I think up in the heavens, he's calling me, Linda, you are such a significant woman and you are such a beautiful woman because on earth, it's what I struggle with. But I think he calls me out of who I really am in Christ. And when I get to hear that and hear that he talks a lot about me to, you know, Jesus and the Father and he, he knows all my tears, like, I really think he does see me as significant. And when I know that and I stand on that, I have confidence in the faith that he can do anything he wants through me. And I'm going to um, tell you just a quick story what just happened recently, and it was about significance. And this is why I know the Lord is getting ready to move me from glory to glory to glory. Um, 
and it'll be my journey, is I've been doing a Bible study. Um, I've been doing this one, but I've been doing one at my home, and I get to teach. And I get to teach freely, and I love it. And it's powerful, and I get to see the Holy Spirit work, and I get to see these ladies encourage me. And God called me out, and he gave me a vision about this event he wants to do. And um, this was just recently. And I, all of a sudden, got so frightened of my insignificance, of how the world sees me, which is really true. Like, if you wanted to look at me, they don't know me who I have to go ask to use their place. I've never spoken, I don't have a book, or I'm don't, they don't know who I am, nobody's going to come. So all these words were being spoken to me, and so what I did is I pushed it off on this girl, which looks godly, and I thought that's what God was saying. I really did. I, I'm just kind of learning how to walk out in the Spirit. I thought that's what God was saying. She's known more than me. She has connections, and, it, I, and I thought, okay, you go ask them. Yeah, and you can do the teaching. And so she prayed about it, and she was, it kind of started getting weird, and then I prayed about it, and I was real, really praying. I go, Lord, why do I not have peace with this? Like, I am, like, stressed out. And I go, I can't even do an event, so I don't want to do anything outside of you. And so I kind of just stayed. I don't want to do anything outside of you. But what is kind of just as disobedient is to have a heart of pushing it off on somebody else and not walking through it yourself. And God showed me, Linda, do you remember that one time I asked you to do this seminar and you asked this girl to put her name on the list? I'm just being honest with you because I didn't think anybody would show up. And I knew if I put this girl on the list, she would show up. And they did. They showed up because of this girl. I know that. That's, that's what it is. But God was so kind in his kindness. And yeah, a lot of women, it, it was a great time. But I knew I disobeyed God. And he just, my spirit, he just told me, Linda, that's not what I had for you at all. That's not what I'm calling you to do. It's not about this. It's about you being obedient to me and walking out when you feel insignificant to know that I'm your significance. And if I can part the waters, I can do anything, Linda. Do not, do not put your significance in a person in this world. You need to put it in me. So that's what he reminded me of. So the next morning, I get up. I'm going, okay, God. I'm sinning against you right now. I am being disobedient again with trying to get my significance through somebody else and pushing it off and not walking it through with you and letting you give me my significance. Again, I go, I, I don't want to miss it this time, God. I don't want to miss it because I know you have something big. But now this is a bigger platform. And I'm like, I don't want to miss it, God. I don't want to miss it. And then that morning, my husband came into me and he just goes, Linda, I just need to tell you something. And you know that's never good when your husband has to tell you something. And he goes, I see you struggling with this girl you asked to speak. And he didn't know anything. I kept it all to myself. And he said, I think you're struggling because what you did before with that last thing when you added a girl to come so you wouldn't feel like you weren't known, you're doing the same thing with this girl, and I think God's asking you to do it. And I just go, I know that. And I just cried and repented with the Lord, and I called the girl up, and she said she didn't have peace, and I said, it's because of my sin. And I, guys, I just want you to know something. Even within your families, like, your sin affects people. You know, it really does. And God's like going, and he did it so kindly. I want you to know, 
I didn't have to be afraid. I was sinning, but I didn't have to be afraid. And it was so sweet how I just knew I grieved the Holy Spirit. And I have to tell you, I'm so glad I did that because I don't want to do it. I want to go on this adventure of insignificance and I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me and God give me my significance. That's what makes me happy. That's what gives me blessing. That's what gives me joy. The world offers none of that. I need to walk through it and it's scary. So that's exactly what God was asking the people to do at the Tower of Babel. I want you to just depend on me. But it's scary when you don't see it right in front of you. But God is asking us um, to do not put our faith in what you see in front of you. Put it in the unseen. Sit in the heavens with Jesus Christ and wait and have a kingdom perspective and wait. Because I'm telling you, every promise that God has given us, it will be fulfilled. It's already been fulfilled. And we are now just in the waiting for Jesus Christ to manifest it through us. And in the waiting is when he transforms us. In the waiting is when people get to encounter Jesus Christ. In the waiting is where God gets glorified. And you guys, the promises are fulfilled. They are already done. So, and we are promised victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 27. But thanks be to God, for we have the victory. So I want to encourage you with whatever you're in right now, that you see no way out, no hope. I want you to encourage you to trust God with the victory and submit to him under obedience, knowing he's got you. And stand in the waiting and keep moving forward because God takes us from glory to glory. In the waiting, in the darkness, oh, he sheds away a lot of the lies of the enemy because all you have is Jesus Christ. And when we speak the name of Jesus Christ, the enemy has to flee. And just so you, I want to remind you of this too, guys. It's just, this is where the passion comes. We learned this two weeks ago, but just know this as a reminder. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. When Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross, he shamed the devil, he shamed Satan, and all of his authority was taken away. He has no authority over us. Zero. Only thing he does is try to lie to us, deceive us, distort things. That's why we need to stand on the promises of God and let the promises of God do their work in our life because we are already a masterpiece in here. And we just need to let God chip it away and trust him so that we get to see your beauty, your glory of God, And I get to believe it. I get to believe it about myself. And so that's what I just want to encourage you guys with. And um, I just, I don't want you to be afraid, guys, to look at people through the eyes the way Christ does. Um, Because it really changes our culture. It really changes people's lives to restoration. And if you're going through anything, anything at all, if you want prayer, guys, I, I know it's all... But come pray. I can't pray when I'm in it, but when people pray for me, oh, there's power in that, guys. Let us pray for you. Let us pray for you because you have victory. The Satan's not winning. There's no authority. He's just making you think that. You have the victory. That's what we get to say, yes and amen to God. We get to say that. We just got to stay in the waiting, guys. And um, anyway, I'm just going to close this in prayer, and she has these two songs. And one is like, here I bow, just surrendering herself. And the other one is just through the years, just how God's amazing the love just weaves through us and just constantly comes after us. And so um, I'm just going to close this in prayer. Father, I just thank you. I just love you. And I thank you for drawing me out of my sin. 
and showing me how significant and how loved I am by you. And it's so fulfilling, God, and I thank you for that because only you can fulfill that. The world can't. I want to think it can, but it can't, God, and I, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit to convince me to believe you um, when I'm wrong, Lord. Thank you that you love us, Lord. I pray for each woman here that they stand in their authority in Jesus Christ to not believe any lies of the enemy and that they are significant and each one of them is a masterpiece that is uniquely made, God, and that you will get the glory as they trust you and wait for the promises they need in their lives and for their children and for their husbands, Lord. And you say, but thanks be to God because the victory is ours. And I just say yes and amen to you, God. Amen.